You're listening to another edition of the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me as always, today, sometimes, always, I guess. Uh, always. Because he has to be. At this point, always. Because he's my boss. Yep. I guess that means I have to hang out with him. He's the director. <laughs> only the, once in a while. Only once in a while? Yeah. The director of technical service. The one. The only. The man, the myth, the legend. Paula Jamis. The crankiest guy you know. West of the Mississippi. I used to be east of the Mississippi. Yeah, you. Uh, maybe a, that's why you're so cranky. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Well, you went. Central time zone is is screwing me up. Nolens was uh, west of New uh, the Mississippi, right? No, New Orleans is east. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. So that's the whole problem. It must be. It's the river. I feel like I'm on the wrong side of the tracks. I'm totally leaving this in there, and it's totally <laughs> getting cut. Yeah, well, a hundred percent. So, Mister East of the Mississippi, you want to tell us how uh, they can get hold of us? Yeah, you can reach us. Jack's on Twitter at Jack underscore CTSP. I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. You can catch us on email. We still do that thing. It's technical service at carboline.com. Kind of do that thing. I mean. Hey, we get it. I mean, one of these days it's going to break. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah. Not, they're not going to fix it. Right. Right. We'll have to deal with that when it happens. But back to east and west of Mississippi. I picture Paul. If you guys have ever seen Billy Madison in his house going, East is better. It's on the other side of the river, and it makes me feel good. West is bad. It makes me sad. Uh, so, we got to do some traveling this year at SSBC Coatings Plus and NACE Corrosion 2019, and we tried to get our next guest to come on the show... At the Nace show, because we had his, like, boss's, 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 boss on at SSPC. Yeah. And, uh... We're still waiting to get his boss on. His boss isn't going to come on. I don't know. He said he would. Avid listener, first-time caller, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, his boss, we're in the lobby of the hotel in Nashville. And we had talk, asked him to come to be on the show. And the very next time I see his boss, his boss goes, Why are you bringing the JV on the show? <laughs> why don't you bring me on the show so we did invite him yeah he's not here but we got the jv yeah we did get the jv so <laughs> if you listen to the show for you know more than one episode we had michael sellers on from elcometer he's the managing director it was episode 69 he was not the one who called our next guest the jv just for clarity you know he's british he's probably too nice for that yeah and i mean he's he's a little higher up the food chain and I, I, he seems to be a little more PC in PC, public. Yeah. So yep. um, we're talking. We have Christopher Platt from Melcometer here. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And his boss, I don't even know that we should out him what his name is. I think if you know. I think we leave it as his boss as his and boss. let him call yeah. and challenge. El Presidente? Yeah, maybe. Is he the president? Um, Vice president. Oh. Uh. El Vice Presidente? <laughs> what's, his, what's his job with? sspc now that's the uh, one i meant he's gonna be president of sspc oh there you that's go what I meant. Yeah, there you go so Presidente. if we've not if you've not been able to figure out who it is you should log into sspc look who's going on and while you're logged into sspc hey you know what throw a vote for Dwayne meyer he's running for the board of governors shameless plug shameless plug well, isn't that what this is yes <laughs> So one of the reasons we wanted to have Chris on is because we are very responsible and attentive podcast hosts. And in February, <laughs> we got a request on Twitter. And that request was from Paul Johnston. 
And he wants us to talk about curing schedules and, and the examples of how they relate accurately to measuring DFT ratings. He says, in my career, I've had battles with DFT ratings due to not fully cured coding. So we figured a good person to bring on would be somebody who makes the instruments that take those DFT readings. So see, we weren't really ignoring the question. And I know Paul probably forgot that he had even asked us. We didn't. When you send us in those questions, we'll remember them. Sometimes we answer them in a roundabout way and we don't mention you by name, but we try to answer all of the questions. So send them in. All right, so Chris, JV, CP, which one do we prefer here? <laughs> I can go with either which one. <laughs> Let's uh, take a little bit of time. And so what Paul Johnston, not Paula Jameis, is, is asking is everything's always a rush on the job, right? So you, you're always trying to get to the next step and get through. And, and it can be a pain waiting for the coding to dry hard enough to take that DFT reading. But it is pretty important that the coding is close to cure prior to the DFT readings. That's exactly right, Jack. And one of the big things, because we get this question a lot, how fast can I take those readings? And there are so many things that go into how quickly you can actually take the reading. And, you know, we've mentioned it before a hundred times, you know, it's temperature related. It's, you know, environmental conditions, humidity, wind speed. Is it in the sun? Is it, you know, in a shady area with no airflow? You know, how much solvent is in the coating? Is this a hundred percent solids? product or is this a solvented coating this is where you sing the police badly because everything matters right every yeah, little thing every little thing it happened in some that, previous episode yeah it yeah it did <laughs> so that is something that we harp on that all of those details are important but one of the things we want to talk with chris about was as we're coming closer and closer to it what are some of the things that the gauges can do to help us minimize those problems and, and get those dry film thicknesses, you know, as early as we can. So we decided, let's ask Chris, what is in a gauge that helps us take the dry film thickness readings faster, better, more accurately? Well, Paul, some of the things you got to look at when you're trying to measure coatings before it may have re reached its full cure is that if the coating is still tacky or still a little bit wet, that it could come off on your probe tip of your dry film thickness gauge and then it could affect your other readings down the line. Also, if the coating is soft, that the tip could actually press into the coatings, giving you a thinner coating than what is actually there. And leaving so, you a nice little dimple on the surface. Exactly. Uh, some of the equipment that's out there that you can use to try to minimize leaving a dimple in is we have a soft substrate probe that has a bigger footprint so it disperses the uh, pressure across the surface evenly to where you can't push it in. All right, it's that time again. It's everybody's favorite part of the Carbolane Tech Service podcast, or I will say of life. It's bill paying time. Every Everybody likes paying bills, right? Well, you know, something like that. They like having them paid. Lots of money, no money. Anyway, so every month we bring you a commercial where we talk about one of the Carboline products and this month is a brand new product from Carboline that we're both very excited about. It's the Plasite 4550 HT. The 4550 HT is a 98% solids Novolac epoxy. One of the great things that we have done with this product, we left the blush out. This is a plurally applied Novolac that truly like the application properties are amazing and it cures down to 20F. Another great feature of this product is it has extremely high temperature resistance. Now that's dry temperature resistance. It's resistant up to 350 degrees Fahrenheit. 
And just in our application work as we were doing it, this product sprays like a dream. It really does. If you have been having challenges with the High Solids Novolac, we highly encourage you to check out the brand new Plasite 4550HT. If you want to see more about it, you need to come and check us out at the American Institute for Architects in Las Vegas. That's on June 6th through the 8th, and we are going to be in booth 8631. Once again, that's the Royal We, as Paul and I will be here. We will not be there. In St. Louis. But... To any of the, you know, the decision makers out there that might hear this, I like Las Vegas. Yeah. Now, probably the most important thing of this commercial break, we need to remind everybody, SSPC is having an election for the Board of Governors. Our boss, the one and only, Mr. Dwayne Meyer, is running for that position. If you are a member of SSPC and able to cast a vote, we would all appreciate it if you could cast that vote for Dwayne. Dwayne Meyer, looking out for us, looking out for you. SSPC Board of Governors 2019. I guess before we get too deep into this, do we need to have a little, can you describe a probe? Describe a dry film thickness gauge and the working parts to... Sure, we have multiple types. Let's start with the type 2 gauge because it's the most commonly used today. Okay, so with our dry film thickness gauge, it's an electronic gauge. You can get them with it, either the probes built into the bottom of the gauge where it actually takes the reading, or it can be on a cord. With it built into the reading, you physically touch the whole gauge to the surface, and it displays the reading on the screen. With the uh, separate probe where it's on a cord, you have the gauge in one hand, and you can actually go into smaller areas with a probe compared to what you could use if it was built into the bottom. And when we're talking about the probes... I mean, we're talking about a, I don't know, what are they, half inch round? Uh, probably about quarter inch. Yeah, yeah. and, and there's a small spot in the middle of that that actually does the yep. measuring. Yeah, it's about the size of a, the whole probe is about the size of a butt end of a Bic pen. And then the tip that's on the inside is pretty much the same as the tip of a Bic pen. Okay, so you can see that when you're pressing on a film, that kind of pressure on a small point like that, it's going to leave a mark if your coating is not firm. Correct. And that's where you'd use the soft substrate probe, where it's about a little over an inch area that helps uh, disperse the weight across the surface. And, you know, so one of the other things that we've, we've talked with people a lot about is we've said sometimes you can use like a shim. And a lot of times we use a shim for calibration, but if you know the thickness of the shim, it's also an item that you can put in and then subtract from the coating thickness. And this was... This is if you don't have those wider footprint, soft surface gauges, you can use something like that to help disperse out the, the pressure. I have seen people in the field use that as well. You just have to make sure that you remember that you have to subtract that thickness <laughs> off of the, uh, that is already there. Yep. Could you imagine being the foreman getting the report where somebody didn't take the <laughs> thickness off? And all of a sudden, everything's 30 mils thicker than it's supposed to be. And you're like, all of a sudden... could. I, I could see a scenario where, like, somebody ended up blasting off a perfectly good coating because somebody forgot to, you know, take off the shim reading. Yeah. yeah. That that has to have happened in the in the history of industrial coating. Products. If that's happened to you, call us in. Make us feel better about that. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't recommend that method. <laughs> I'd recommend getting a wider probe, something like the soft substrate probe or possibly a scanning probe that has a probe cap. Like. Chris was saying the tip of these probes is really where all the work is done. So it really is important to be careful with these tips. You know, you don't want to bang them around. They come with covers usually, and you want to keep them covered when you're not using them. 
but not covered in paint. Because, like Chris mentioned a minute ago, if you get paint on the bottom of it, well, it's going to screw up every reading you have from there on out. Yes. So if you get paint on the bottom of it, you do have to make sure that you get that paint off. Or with what you were saying with the covers, this, some of the probes out there have a cover that you can put on to take the measurements so that it actually protects the probe instead of you know the probe tip taking all that abuse. And then, as always, whenever you get done with it, put it in its box or wherever it comes from so it's not knocking around the back of a truck or in a glove box or falling out on the street. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's usually a good idea to, you know, take care of really expensive equipment. Yeah. yeah. And from the coating side of things, we really want you to wait for that coating to take your DFTs as long as possible because what you will see is just false readings. Even if you follow some of these methods, if you're too early in the process, you're not going to get a good reading. That's right. You need to make sure that all the solvent is out of the coating. Otherwise, you're going to have an artificially high reading. And an easy way to determine, and this is a generalization, this is not a hard, fast rule. And I feel like that's important to say, but the, the easy, safe generalization to follow is dry to handle on a coating manufacturer's product data sheet, because that typically means it's going to pass a thumb twist test, which means it should be able to handle anything that gauge throws at it. That's right. Usually before then it's going to be too tacky and leave some kind of paint on your probe, which we just talked about why you don't want to do that. All right. So Chris, you mentioned scanning probes there, and I don't really want to get into that now because I think what we're going to do is record a second episode with you to talk about the scanning probes, but if you could in like very short, kind of describe this, we're going to do a whole other episodes, but just kind of give a quick description of what you mean by that scanning probe. All right. Yeah, not a problem. So the scanning technology that we came out with allows you to take a reading and you leave the probe on the surface and it, you move it and continues to take readings. And that's where the scanning technology, that's what it's talking about. With your traditional way of measuring, you take one reading, you put it down, and it takes one reading. You lift it off, take a second reading, and it takes two readings. Where with the scanning technology, and you can put the probe down and drag it across the surface, and you can take rapid measurements, and you get a less standard, uh, standard deviation because you never relift that probe. So what we're going to do in this next episode is talk about this because there is a little bit of controversy that has come up with these type gauges. And I think it's good to have that discussion about their place in the world and, and where they belong and what they do and all that stuff. So know that it's an option. And uh, for this episode, I think that's about it. Chris, thank you very much for coming in. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you for having me. And uh, if you have any more information about Alcometer, you can go to www.alcometer.com. Is that right? Uh, it's going to be www.alcometerusa.com okay, so or alcometer.com. We have two of them. Both will work and get you information, but if you're looking to get a contact here within the continental United States, you probably want to go to the alcometerusa.com. Correct. All right. Well, that about does it for us, and we'll see you guys next week. And so, for the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to, to thank, thank you for, for your support. support. Say, come.